Alien is one of the greatest horror films of all time. It's suspenseful, atmospheric, tense, and downright unsettling. It constantly keeps you guessing as to what's about to happen next. It is one of Ridley Scott's best directorial efforts and a film that still holds up to this day. The franchise that followed in the original's footsteps has seen its ups and downs. Aliens, the James Cameron-directed sequel, moved it into an action setting with an all-guns-blazing commentary on the Vietnam War, set in space with monsters. After that, the brilliance of the franchise has rather dwindled, and instead of offering genuinely great works of cinema, what you'll typically get is comparable to guilty pleasure movies. Storylines and action set pieces so ridiculous you know they're moronic, but somehow still enjoyable. At least sometimes. Other times it's just alien resurrection, and well, we won't get into that. In 2012, the franchise took a step back from making sequels and ventured into prequel territory. Prometheus saw Ridley Scott back behind the camera for the first time since the original's release in 1979. Fans weren't sure what to expect, but the result was a messy, flawed film without a coherent vision. It was quite clear neither Scott nor screenwriters Damon Lindelof and John Spates knew what they wanted knew where they wanted to take the franchise. It was both a prequel to Alien and a standalone film at once, but it succeeded at neither. While it was flawed, it did lay out hope for more to come. The end of the film sees two characters make it out alive in classic horror fashion, ready to head out into space looking for answers. Answers we would get in the 2017 sequel, Alien Covenant. Before we get to how these movies tie together, we have to lay out the premise for Alien Covenant. On a colonization mission across space, the vessel Covenant is carrying colonists and embryos from Earth as they head towards another inhabitable planet. Suddenly, something happens, forcing members of the crew to wake from cryosleep. While fixing the ship after the aforementioned somethingness, they hear a broadcast from a nearby planet. They decide, after a brief argument between Captain Orem and Daniels, played by Billy Crudup and Catherine Watterson respectively, to land on this planet to see whether they can help the person in the broadcast. Once they land on the planet, they start to explore the nearby area. Two of the crew members step on spores that embed itself in their brain. They become deathly ill and race back towards the ship. One of these infected crew members gets back to the ship and two other crew members try to help him. Suddenly, Pointy Jag sticks out of his back and a small creature climbs out. One of the crew members panics and locks the creature and the other member inside a room. She runs to get a gun while the creature starts attacking the remaining crew member. Our panicked heroine comes into the room with a shotgun 
but slips on blood before she can shoot, causing her to miss. The creature and the crew member runs out of the room and to the cargo hold of the landing ship. Here the crew members keep shooting at the creature until she hits a gas tank of some sort, causing the entire ship to explode. The creature skids out just in time, meaning the two crew members died for nothing. Meanwhile, the other crew members return just as the ship is exploding. Shortly after, the other infected crew members reveal a similar, similar creature and is killed as it departs. There are now two creatures and no way to get back to the Covenant. Up until this point, the story is quite cliched. There is nothing unique or shocking about the setup. Several movies have this exact setup where a host of characters decide to explore an area and, they, and then get cut off after their vessel is destroyed. Ghost Ship, Virus, and Deep Blue Sea are some examples that come to mind. So it's in great company. B-movie company, that is. The pace at which characters die is also problematic. We're not familiar with any of the characters that have been killed off at this point, so their deaths don't make any sort of meaningful impact. We know they matter because the characters get upset, but as viewers, we don't have any sort of reaction beyond shock at how they're dying. A brief comparison with the 1979 original reveals that in that film, the shock was both how they were dying, but also that they were dying at all. After the ship is destroyed, the two creatures begin attacking our survivors. A mysterious man runs in to save them, and it is revealed it is David, one of the surviving characters from Prometheus, once again played by Michael Fassbender. It is at this stage the storylines of Prometheus and Alien Covenant link up. From this point, the horror set pieces get replaced with philosophical quandaries of creation and human ingenuity. The movie desperately wants to be clever, but it never quite manages to pull it off. This once again comes back to the same problems that bugs Prometheus. There is nothing wrong with the questions that are being asked, but they're presented in a messy way. A way where, there, where it's clear there's no real vision behind them. Scott and screenwriters John Logan and Dante Harper are immensely fascinated with David as a character, but don't quite manage to make him stand out in a good way. His behavior is more run-of-the-mill than I think the creative team intended. It is also a poor fit for the alien universe typically built around man's struggle against the realization it's no longer at the top of the food chain, interspersed sections of high school philosophy lectures never manages to be anything more than dull filler. In a different context, it could be interesting though. Once again, there are a set number of people that make it out alive of this, of this movie including one that got alien acid blood on his face. But it's cool. It put a band-aid on it. Did Ridley Scott forget that the same alien acid blood bore through three layers of steel in the original? 
but a damp towel stops it from tearing through some guy's skull. Anyway, not unlike several of the other Alien films, there is one final action set piece as well as a shocking reveal before the closing credits. Then the movie ends with a clever, with a clear setup for a third installment. Only the way this setup is structured forces me to ask a question that I don't think the movie is ready to answer. Here I'll spoil the ending for you, so stop listening now if you don't want to know. Ready? The movie ends with David coughing up embryos with facehugger lifeforms in them. The facehuggers are the creatures that jump out from eggs and attach themselves onto people. They bleed acid and impregnate their victims with a xenomorph baby. If David brought these with them, with him, and we learn in the film that he has been experimenting with them, does that mean he was planning this all along? Planning to find a ship and bring these with him? If so, how? The crew of the Covenant were seemingly awoken by accident, discovered the signal by chance, and went to the planet on a whim. If this is the case, then how could David plan this? Perhaps he wasn't planning it. Perhaps he just took the chance he was given. But that's even worse in a way. That he just happened to get the perfect opportunity to carry out his mission, because Captain Orem decided it was a great idea to land on a planet they knew nothing about, with the slimmest hope of a gain imaginable. Any logical person would have just kept going on their merry way, and the movie would have been a 20 minute short about a crew that fixes a problem on their ship and then ends. At least in the original it was Mother, the computer communication system that told them to go off the ship. They had a reason outside of their group to go there. Here it's just, let's go, just, cuz. I guess it's possible to summarize the problems with Alien Covenant the same way I would uh, summarize the problems with Prometheus. If you disregard them, you end up with a watchable popcorn flick along the lines of an expensive B-grade horror title. If you focus on them too much, you're left with a jumbled mess that can't withstand any level of scrutiny at all. I tend to prefer the first option, because while the story makes absolutely zero sense, there is fun to be had here. It's not bad per se, just poorly put together. So with that caveat in mind, out of my two potential ratings, watch this movie and don't watch this movie, Alien Covenant gets a questionable watch this movie. What did you think of Alien Covenant? What is your favorite movie in the Alien franchise? Be sure to let me know over on Facebook at Movie Time with a friend of mine. Until next time, don't go stepping on any spores.